Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thank you for coming. Hello, 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 hello. Thank you so much. So nice. It's still weird that people come and see us. Not that you're weird. There's Just got to be a small element of weirdness, though. It's weird. <laughs> it's great. You must be strange on some level. We're weird together. Are, yeah. Right? Yeah. Hmm. I feel like we've exposed a little bit too much. Me. I feel like I've exposed <laughs> too much of my strangeness now. Yeah, we were talking about this last night in uh, Galway, how people keep sending us stories and be like, oh my God, you're going to love this. And it's like... The worst shit you have ever <laughs> fucking seen. I have to, I have to ch- the do book. the chicken again. Did yeah. somebody send me, oh my God, you're going to love this. And it was somebody fucking a chicken. <laughs> and uh, it was opening, it opened on the chicken's mouth opening. It was alive. Like screaming help, obviously. And this fucking person thought I would love this. <laughs> I did not love it. And I can't, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Still, that fit, yes. Exact, oh, that's exactly that's... what it looked like. I know, that. it's like, because then, you know when someone like inserts some awfulness into you in your life, and then you need to immediately find someone to offload it on? So obviously Jen immediately contacted me after watching the video. <laughs> so that's why I have such a strong visual on it. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, just one of those things. Something about the way you explained it there made me think of somebody fucking like a chicken breast or carcass. And now I want to make that movie. That would be fine. I don't think anybody <laughs> would have a problem with that. Yeah, that doesn't even strike me as that weird. You give your dick salmonella <laughs> for sure. <laughs> or, never mind. This is so funny because we were talking about what creeps of the week to do and uh, I was bemoaning the fact that no one's got any bestiality tonight <laughs> in their stories. Yeah. People would be disappointed. So I said I'd find a creep of the week that involved an animal and um, I think I'm the creep of the week actually. <laughs> but I did. This is 
sometimes how I come by my stories for the creep dive. Sorry, I'm Sophie White. That's Cassie Deadpan Delaney and Jen O D W Y E R. I realized we've long abandoned Doesn't introducing matter. ourselves. Yeah, we're all here. <laughs> um, so I would sometimes, to get a story for the creep dive, input some words into Google and let and Google let it auto finish. Yeah. So if anyone remembers the episode with the guy with the flesh mitt sewn into his stomach, that was when I had put... Did anyone Google that after? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Who did that to him? Who thought that was a good idea? Who thought that was a better option than a... A utility item like a hook or a bottle opener. Or a Swiss knife. Just put a Swiss knife yeah, on. Yeah, some kind of multi-tool instead of the flesh mitt. This is a guy, he... What did he Sorry, do so hand? I had put into Google, man... Sewn. Thank you. Sewn <laughs> into self. And the first one was into horse. And I was like, we've done it. Yeah. Done it already. <laughs> And like Seb, my husband, who doesn't in, in any way uh, engage Enjoy. with the creep dive, was like, you've already done man sewn into horse. <laughs> I was like, well, we're a year in, you know. Yeah. So anyway, tonight I wrote into Google, dog gets stuck. <laughs> and actually... Obvious answer. In other dog. Yeah. Uh. I straight up learned something Everybody has tonight. seen this in real life, haven't they? It looks and it's adorable. confusing and your parents are like, oh, they're just stuck together in a game. <laughs> no, but like that in my mind is when they're like, you know, like that stuck together. You know, that one. I was about to do it to Cassie and then I felt the bump would get in the she way. wouldn't take it well. <laughs> <laughs> but this is their like end, ass end to ass. stuck. Yeah. What? It's a tiny picture on my phone. But that's how dogs ride. But it's so it? adorable because yeah. each dog looks totally nonplussed. They start the traditional doggy style way and then one, the top guy yeah. gets off or and then they he's stuck me. inside the other. So then he, then they're, they, kind of they're facing obvious way, of opposite ways. Okay, hold on, hold on. This is it, this is it. Stuck together. And yeah. This and face. Kind of va vacant stare. I stopped long ago. Oh my God, That's what she said. She's so fertile. Um, so anyway, I learned an interesting fact that the male dog penis uh, will swell inside the females during the mating, and this causes them to get stuck. And it's completely normal for dogs to get stuck together after mating. And you should not attempt to divide them. Yeah. You rip that dog's dig right off. <laughs> and then I love the next line, which is kind of an admonishment to you. If you don't want them to mate, you should have had enough time to try separating them beforehand. Uh, so Creep of the Week is just all dogs. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> have we all been following the case of pensioner tries to get shoved into the boot of a car in Dublin? Apparently just a joke, haha. So this guy, 20-year-old Martin Gallagher... I well, he does say it was a joke that went wrong. ...says he was in court today for his hearing, and that's what he said. Joke got way out of hand. What? what? At what point did he think... And then a weirdest thing, then he blew a kiss to a lady in the audience of the courtroom. <laughs> what the fuck happened there? Maybe he thought that the court element was going too well. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just wanted I to... I am not getting off lightly enough here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like they're buying this joke gone wrong story. I'm going <laughs> to just do a little casual Ted Bundy at this <laughs> stranger lady in the court crowd. From my understanding of it, he was on his own in the car. Who was the... Joke Ooh. four. Yeah. TikTok. It's got to be TikTok. No, no, no. It's got to be TikTok. TikTok. Both hands required to bundle old woman into your car. Of you all the things to try and steal. GoPro on his head. <laughs> Dash cam. then didn't somebody, an, a per, another guy on the street uh, kind of confronted him and ended up kind of saving her. Yeah. They sort of had a bit of a fight about like over her. Give her back. Stop stealing her. That is my old lady. Yeah. <laughs> I found her. Yeah, tug of war. Yeah. Yeah, I took an old one. Weird. Very T- strange. To tug an old one. Mm. Mm. Delish. Dry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where you would be tugging. A lot of, in old people, I think it's very elastic, though, isn't it? You could take a handful of yeah, an old person. Be, yeah, be a, a full extension. Yeah, she could wear it. No like offense to any old people mm-hmm. in the audience. Mm-hmm. Any old people. They know. The they know their skin is stretchy. It's not news to them. Have <laughs> you ever seen an old person's eyelid? Again, I've gone way off. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just being offensive. That's unusual. <laughs> anyway, so we discussed our stories and we decided. Mm. Mm. Did we? I think this is our order. This is it. This yeah, is it. It's you to Grim to Whimsy. Grimmed, oh no, you'll, you'll need to get me in. Now, my story is, uh, let me see about a BuzzFeed. It's amazing how we continually forget to do these. It's yeah. better on the hop. I can never do them. There's never a good way of doing this. It's just backpacker's revenge. Oh, there's way okay. too few words in that. Um, Come on, give us a Jen Spesh. Monster man, mm. backpacker's revenge, <laughs> gets shit kicked out of him. By t- I see I'm blowing the whole okay, story. Okay, <laughs> wait. Okay, suck it back in. Suck it in. Okay. Are you just ready? Let's go. It's 2016. You like an up-to-date creep? Oh, I do. I do. I like a contemporary creep. <laughs> You're about to be confronted by scenes of violence. <laughs> it's funny. I've got the chicken Looking face back on. now. Are you ready? So on Tuesday, the 9th of February, uh, police respond to a chilling call for help. Started off as a fun road trip. Just two young, attractive 23-year-old women. Girlish women. Hitching a ride from a friendly, quiet, single, middle-aged man. What could go wrong? What? Have they never seen any movies? I know. <laughs> this one, where where are they? They're not in the Australian outback, We're in Australia. We certainly are, my friend. It's the home of the weird people of on Wolf beaches. Wolf Creek. Correct. And even Get out of there, you fucking bitches. Yeah. Anything, has anything good happened in anywhere that's ended with Creek? Has anyone seen What's Wolf Creek? What's this place called? Yeah. Salt Creek. There this is go. called Salt Creek, the place ah! they're in. I know. Everything is pointing to don't get into the car. But they actually courted the car <laughs> and got into it. But anyway, uh, started off fine and then did badly. Are you ready? <laughs> like many a creep does. The best Imagine bit about came up on stage and just told a nice traveling story. <laughs> One time when I was in Australia, we hitchhiked and we got to our destination. And everything worked and out. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> we met the cast of Home and Away. The best thing about this being a modern creep is that there's like footage of it. There's footage of the run up to it. So 
here are the ladies, Beatrice and Lena. It's probably important that you get a visual. Beatrice, Brazilian, 23, exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> Lena, German, 23, maybe also exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> Actually, perfect stereotypes. Are we all thinking definitely would? For one, depends on your taste. Okay. <laughs> After the story, I would be in Camp Lena. Okay. Right. But Lena's very factual. She's interviewed heavily, so I know this. She's to the point. She doesn't take any shit. Very German. She wouldn't be somebody that you'd think you would be interested in wooing, I don't think, in a romantic way, if you were sort of a rapey type man looking <laughs> for a girlish figure, if you get me. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just important that what you get... forums are you on currently, Jen? <laughs> it's just... Anyway, it's important to sort of have a bit... So uh, Beatrice, Brazilian, doing the video GoProing. So she's in the car, having a great time. Lena in the back. Doesn't look like she's having a great time. But she should have been. Shit hasn't gone wrong yet. <laughs> Lena's sort of all her life, I think, prepared for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not great at fun. <laughs> great at... Does she have keys threaded between her fingers in the back seat? All just like she's a fucking has spent ten years buffing <laughs> yeah. up just in case. Is this the kind just of Wolverine style? Yeah, she's a tough bitch. So in the footage, Beatrice delighted with herself, swinging the camera around to the driver, Roman, driving a car. He that looks name has form exactly mm. like you'd expect. Everybody in this has warning red flags written all over them. <laughs> oh, no. Like it's a clear victim, a clear. Raper <laughs> and a clear fighty person. <laughs> so in the go, so we're watching the go, watching the GoPro. But little did they know, moments later, things would go terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. So here we are in Salt Creek, another warning sign, much like Wolf Creek, only saltier. Two <laughs> hours southeast of Adelaide. Um, it's quite a, sort of a hunting ground. Not much there. Few kangaroos. Big long stretch of beach. So a lot of tourists want to see this particular stretch. Okay. Sounds ideal. Yeah, it's on the from between Adelaide and what's the other place called? Begins with M. Melbourne? Yep. <laughs> so somebody described it as trying to find somebody here like a needle in a haystack. You need to know your way around this type of area. And so was Roman just cruising along? No. Okay. <laughs> so the survival of these two women came with one hell of a fight. So Roman Hines, the dirty fuck, had picked the two wrong two lassies. <laughs> All right. He should, shouldn't have picked Lena. Uh, anyway, Lena herself saying he... Exp uh, so he, afterwards, Lena agreed that he expected them to be weak. Her delivery is fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and attempt he to do it. He did not prepare. That's exactly <laughs> what she sounds like. He did not prepare for the shit I was about to give him. Failed to prepare, prepare, uh, prepare. <laughs> So anyway, as we all know, Australia, long been a destination for uh, backpackers, kind of, you know, young, excited, drunk and virginal. And uh, it's also kind of been low down on the serial killer hit list other than Wolf Creek. I think there was a couple of other renowned ones. We might cover them later. We've had some weird murders in mm. Australia. Mm. Serial killers, or missing so people. There's a really famous one who killed backpackers. I might do that another time. But anyway, uh, so if you didn't need to hitchhike somewhere, sure, this is the thing. So Lena was on her own. She was like, I want to get to Melbourne. I want to go see this Salt Creek place. Met mm. Beatrice in a hostel. Yeah. yeah and they were like, that. there's two of us. There's two of us, Ruby Grant. We've all been there. Grab a friend. I would, I would partner up with Lena too. 
anybody would partner up with Lena. Lena I think Lena. Just, please refer to her as Lena Warrior Princess from here on That's out. That's 100% <laughs> who she is. But you're partnering with Lena, and what you don't know is Lena is just like, you'll be a good human shield. <laughs> like, you'll be perfect to hold in front of me during the attack. I think like, Le Lena is just eye on the prize. She yeah. doesn't give a shit about you. Uh, okay. Well, she was just needed to get from A to B, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She, so Beatrice was like, they were there in the hostel, and they were like, we need to get here. We need a ride. Where do we go? Gumtree. <laughs> so Lena was like, you write the ad there, Beatrice. Were they like, there's no Craigslist? The Craigslist for where there is no Craigslist <laughs> yeah. is Gumtree, yeah. <laughs> Same shit. So Lena, so uh, Beatrice writes the ad in a sort of attractive Brazilian young lady way, opening, hey, I'm a 23-year-old Brazilian lady, <laughs> and I'm looking for a ride. And fun. Can you help? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You'd think like, anyway, loads of people answered that. <laughs> So the first response they decided was a runner. Seemed nice, normal, uh, and they were happy to go with him. Night before, he pulled out. Option right. two. Already warning signs in the communication. He was very off, they said. Replies were angry. <laughs> One of his replies was, you're not replying quick enough. Please be nice to me. The whole thing was not great. They decided... This didn't feel right. They'd do it anyway. Oh, that one. Yeah. So on Tuesday 9th of Feb, they arrived at their destined meeting spot and saw Roman stand leaning up against the side of his giant, one of those Jeep machines. <laughs> and they both looked at each other and went, he's older than we thought. Rude. <laughs> anyway, they talked then about like, should, Should we, we go? This guy doesn't look. Oh. He was also six foot six. Oh. I would say that if there was Huge ever hands. any doubt in your mind about getting in the car, you would just, just, just not. Mm. Just don't. No. Don't go there. So no, Roman. Especially if he's not six foot six. Mm -hmm. man called Roman. He's just there standing with a semi by his semi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Huge beast. Wielding a, an axe. Just yes. armed. An axe strapped yeah. to his thigh. Well, you're getting ahead <laughs> of yourself there, but you're on the right track. So anyway, in they went to the car after saying... Against they, all their misgivings. Well, they both... Oh, no. And they even talked to each other. And they were like, should we? And then they said, yeah, there's two of us. We'd be grand. So a bit of background on Roman from his ex-partner, Sylvia, who he beat the living shit out of two days before picking up the girls. Oh, Jesus. Desperate. Uh, Sylvia agrees. The most evil man alive. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sylvia, so this is... Anyway, she was sleeping, woke with her hands tied, and he started biting her and yanking her all around. Sylvia froze, just hoped she would survive the attack. She was too ashamed to go to the police, so she just got the fuck out of there, right? But he had planned for Sylvia and himself to go to Salt Creek on a camping trip. Sylvia said the car was all packed. So Roman obviously lost Sylvia, just kind of showed his hand a little too soon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sylvia away, straight onto Gumtree, picked up these other two girls. It was all organized. The car was packed. So he was like, I best not waste my camping trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd already booked the time off work. Yeah. So Sylvia describes him flicking instantly from one person to another. And she, she knew after that that she would never have returned alive from that camping trip. So anyway, back to the girls. Happy as Larry in the back of the truck. If you're nervous, though, and if you're worried in the car, at which point do you decide to take out the GoPro? 
<laughs> That's a fair point. They weren't that nervous. They decided they'd committed. Yeah, it was going like to be grand. grand. They'd agreed it was fine. Okay. Everything was going to be fine. And he Capturing was being nice to them in the car. Moment. He was telling them about, you know, stuff that was around. You can hear him talking in the GoPro, being nice. Okay. You know, that's something. So two hours in, without discussing it, he pulls off at Salt Creek to set up camp miles from anywhere or anybody. So Lena was like, why are we stopping here? And he said, nothing, just stormed off setting up camp. He clearly planned this exact spot. He knew the camp well. He pulled off in this kind of clearing. He kind of shut down talking to them. So they were like, fuck. So anyway, Beatrice described him being quite, like we said, he did a bit of chatting in the car, stopped to take pictures, but everything kind of changed when they pulled into this campground. Lena was worried at this point, asking Beatrice, do, do you think this is okay? Beatrice, this is fine. Gets into a <laughs> bikini. No, Beatrice. <laughs> Lena... Obviously, just I'd say had just lost. She was like, I'm going for a lie down. <laughs> Whatever's going to happen, it's kind of on you. I'd say it's like, but it's fine. They come back together later. Anyway, Lena's in the car. Beatrice is in a bikini setting up the barbecue. It still sounds no. quite pleasant. I mean, it's Australia. I don't know what happens there. <laughs> so anyway, Roman approaches from behind Beatrice, hand up on her shoulder. You want to see some kangaroos? <laughs> Beatrice thinks, an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> Agrees, she'd love to. She grabs her camera and they start walking away from the campsite through the dunes. Dunes. How do you say <laughs> that? Dunes. Dunes. Yes. dunes. <laughs> so they're walking around. Beatrice, quite trusting at this point, was completely unaware <laughs> that Roman was carrying three knives, a hammer and a rope. How, How he was so carrying three, three knives, a hammer, and a, and rope. a rope. Did he have a little wheelie bag? <laughs> he might through have. the dunes. Did he just have like a workman's belt on? I can't answer that question. Beatrice didn't have any of those things, obviously. So they <laughs> went bikini. fake looking for kangaroos, and of course, didn't find any. So Beatrice was like, "I think I'm going to go back to the camp now. We haven't found any kangaroos," and Roman just pushed her down. Sorry. No, sorry, that was too harder than that. <laughs> down, down she went anyway. Started fumbling with the ropes. And then he stabbed the knife down beside her and was like, here, look, I have this. And then she thought, I I'm fucked. So she starts kicking around. Ropes come out. She manages to get the ropes away from herself. But then he starts threatening to break her arm. She's like, okay, fine. I'll do whatever you want. Let's just go with this. She starts trying to, and I think victims do this, and it is clever, depending on your situation, to be sort of like, I'm into it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Like and, she's, a and she starts saying things like, uh, but not here. I want to go back closer to the camp. It's, you know, we can then, we can relax and all this bullshit. Mm. So Roman was like, okay, you stupid fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and he's delighted with himself. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm onto a winner here. Maybe it's consensual, but uh, that's wrong because it's not his kick. Anyway, back they go towards the camp. At this point, sorry, I should say, her hands and her ankles are tied. So she's sort of doing a shimmy, shimmy walk back, to the camp. back towards the car because she knows Lena's lying down in the car. So they get close enough to the car for Beatrice to scream Lena. She gets one scream out. Do you think Lena's just like, oh my God. Yes, definitely. <laughs> she sees her shimming along in her bikini all tied up and she's like, I fucking told you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Lena manages to hear that amazingly. 
it knows instantly what the fuck is going on. So she doesn't react. She doesn't like scream back. She creeps out of the side of the car, looks over, and sees Roman beating the shit out of Bea. Beatrice. Anyway, so she was like, okay, fuck. She's scrambling around for something. She finds nothing. She decides she's going to bolt over to them and start screaming. She does think, this is not funny. She does, uh, so Lena was filled with rage. This is her description. This is what she thought to herself. What the hell? Who does that guy think he is? <laughs> very good, very good. Very so good. She, she's bolting over, right? Roman ditches Beatrice and takes off after Lena. Lena's like, fuck, he's coming after me. It's sand, though, so they can't gain much speed. Yeah, it's like no. sort of a <laughs> They're probably like watching all of this in slow motion. Exactly. <laughs> like a really non-sexy Baywatch. Totally. God, poor Beatrice, who's an actual member of Baywatch and hadn't <laughs> come. This is not what she bargained for at all. Anyway, Lena's like, this, this shit's on. So she brings him back to the car. Well, like, he's following her back to the car. Lena's saying, I just need my bag. I'll get, I just want my bag, and I'll get the fuck out of here. And then Rome's like, yeah, you will get the fuck out of here, you. So she gets in. She gets into the side of the car to what she was looking for was her phone. Scr- sc- scrambling around. He then is behind her. Fucks her over the back of the head with a hammer. <gasps> oh. She was like, I definitely felt a bang. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even, it is just her delivery. It was fucking amazing. She's like, I felt a bang, but I, kn- I knew I wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, that's good. TG. So <laughs> this is the worst shit ever. So she's now bleeding from the face. She says something to him. Like, what the fuck? What are you doing? And then he says the creepiest shit ever. I just wanted to try her. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, so Be- Beatrice at this point, tied up on the beach. I should have said, bikini's long gone now. So she's just nude tying uh, there. So uh, she can't, she decided she's not going to move. She's sort of rolling in towards the dunes. Um, and she can see and hear them shouting. So this is the beginning of Lena's fight for fucking survival. At this point, Beatrice is sort of not okay, but she's not physically too badly hurt, and she's sort of hiding. Okay. Lena's sort of fucked. This guy is bearing down on her at this point. She's bleeding all over the place. She said she couldn't really see, but she takes off running. She ran back towards where Beatrice was. Somehow, your man, as far as she was concerned, was gone. He wasn't following her. She, him, she got to Beatrice. They decided they'd go separate ways. So they take off separate ways and Lena looks over her shoulder and Roman's in the fucking Jeep coming after her. So she was like, fuck. Beatrice hiding. Good. Beatrice is okay again. Lena is about to get fucked up. But not die. (laughs) Crucially. So anyway, so Lena's taken off on foot. The fucking Jeep is rearing up behind her. Beatrice, frightened, nude and hiding in the dunes. Anyway, She's uh, so Lena weaving through scrubby brushes. She runs for the for nearly a kilometer with Roman still at her tail. So the jeep couldn't go as fast as as Ozzy on sand. So it couldn't gain much. And she was weaving in and out of the dune shrub. Mm. So it was sort of going around, and he couldn't kind of get to her. Eventually, she comes to kind of a bit of a clearing, and he fucking just runs over. And then Lena gets up. He reverses, and he fucking drives over again. And Lena gets the fuck up again. Oh my oh my he drives over her four times. Four fucking times. She's like, and Lena's like cent. bang! Still alive, bitch. <laughs> right? Then Lena's like, he's going to kill me. He is going to kill me now. I am sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I have to do something. So she sees the Jeep rearing up for the fifth time. She gains 
Perches on the sand. No. Jeep's coming at her. She gets up on the fucking bonnet. <gasps> yes! She's up on the roof. Oh, she's, like Karate Kid. Yeah, she's, ca- she's holding on to the antenna. She's dragging herself up. Big smear of blood all down the windscreen. Come on, Obscuring Lena. Roman's view. She's up on the roof rack. You know, can you imagine? Yeah. This is like death proof. Fucking amazing. She's up on the roof rack, dripping blood all over the shop, sliding around. Roman, in a fucking rage, takes off 100 miles an hour down the beach, swinging around like a madman. Trying to fuck her off the trying roof. Trying to fuck her off the roof. So this goes on for ages. Is the and GoPro uh, still running? The GoPro is gone now. Nobody, okay. gives, No, we have no more footage. Just Lena's explanation, which is fucking amazing. So she's on the roof of the car. She said at this point she had super strength. Uh, <laughs> Roman wheels down the window. Get the fuck off the roof of the car. She said, no, you fucker. It's going on and on and on. Uh, he was very angry. Then Roman gets, a hand, gets the hammer. He's got the foot in the accelerator because he's, he's like, really tall he and he's got a very long arm and he's trying to pound her from the top. Lena, kicking the hammer away. She oh. manages to kick the hammer out of his hand. So Roman's like, I've got no hammer now. Just keeps driving around for a while. Um, this obviously... No, this then, meanwhile, in the shrubbery, nude Beatrice is there. She's taking selfies. Taking it. <laughs> harsh, but... <laughs> So she, Beatrice, sees um, a car coming down the beach. Three teenage fishermen, right? So she's like, okay, brilliant. I'm saved. I've got to get into this fucking car. So she's hands tied, feet tied, nude, shimmying out (laughs) and trying to flag her down with her face and shouting, trying to flag down this car. And the lads in the car are like, what the fuck is this? So anyway, they at first didn't try not to pick her up. Yeah. The whole thing just freaked <laughs> them all out. They didn't want anything to do with it. It They're does all like look very suspicious. I know. And I guess you're like, I, my seats. <laughs> <laughs> She's not bleeding. Just the nudity. Um, so then she does. They do pull over. They get her into the car and they ring the police. They also ring this kind of local hero guy called Adam Stewart who runs the local kind of fish shop type thing, right? He's fucking amazing. He knows Did you every say Alf Stewart. Adam. Okay. <laughs> That's so exciting. Close. So, uh, so they're saying to Beatrice, like, we've got to get you to hospital. We've got the police. We've got to get you somewhere else. And she's refusing to go without finding Lena. What a fucking hero. Very so good. she forces the three freaked out fishermen to drive, keep on driving around. This beach is fucking huge. And obviously they've driven miles with, you know, blood face dripping all over the, you know, Roman's yeah, yeah. car has gone ages. So they agreed and took off. All the while, Lena's still clinging to the roof of the car. This is the best bit. If Rowan just got fucked off at this point and just stopped the car and changed tack completely. Got out of the car and was like, listen, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone way out of hand. All right, As I said, I just wanted to try her and <laughs> I accept I've ter- made a wrong turn here. Please please come down off the roof. (laughs) Lena is fucking exhausted and she's lost tons of blood. So she agrees, but not before she forces him to fuck all the knives and ropes away. So he throws them ages away. She gets down and then she gets into his car. And I I think the reason must have been just her exhaustion. Yeah. Do you know that way? She couldn't have held held on for longer. Exactly. So he hands her, her the cap that she had on, so I think to stem the flow. Oh, God. So she puts the cap on. She sort of slithers down the side and gets into the passenger seat. 
of the jeep. And the jeep takes off back to the camp. But don't they pass the fucking fishermen en route? Ah. But at this point, the cap's on Lena. Now, she, if you could be up close, you could have seen that she was covered in blood. But they weren't close enough. But they did see her. She was co- like a corpse draped outside of the vehicle, pretty much. And uh, the guy said her hand was sort of flapped. They were like, this must be your friend that you this described. This great. <laughs> I don't know if I'm putting two and two together <laughs> here. Maybe I'm jumping the gun. But could this be the friend that you were saying was kidnapped? <laughs> so anyway, they were like, yeah, it is. But the three lads were too freaked out to confront your man. They didn't know whether he had a gun or not. So they just took off after him at this weird, slow-paced <laughs> sort of following thing. Just normal driving. Right, yeah, basically. Uh, so, basically, they took off, by which time Adam, the hero, caught up. Adam, waiting for this moment his whole fucking life. Please tell me Adam and Lena fall in love. Definitely not. <laughs> but Adam fucking saves her. So Adam passes out. The, obviously, Adam sees the two cars driving at a moderate pace. Uh, <laughs> Drives like at top speed, passes the fishermen before they had some sort of. They're on the phone as well. Yeah. So uh, drives up, gets after Roman's car, like pelts it after him for fucking ages down the beach until he backs him into a corner. By which time they stayed in this kind of. <laughs> and Adam describes Roman's head just leaning on his steering wheel, <laughs> apologize waving to Adam again. <laughs> there is then eventually Adam doesn't get out of the car. The police arrive and there is footage of Roman getting arrested, which is fucking hilarious. He just looks exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's it. So basically, I'll tell you, Adam got a... That's classic. So Adam, the hero of the day. Lena, although she passed out on the way home and there was some suggestion she might have died for a minute, did not die, <laughs> okay. uh, was saved as well. They remain best friends. Roman, the fuck... Wait for this as well. So Roman went to prison for ages and still in prison today, thankfully. But Roman Adam, who owned the local fish shop, recognized Roman from around the area. And the last time he saw Roman, he was with, he described as kind of a, a very young blonde girl, another backpacker type. Oh. They stopped at Adam's shop. Uh, two days later, Roman came back alone. This girl, we don't know anything about her. There's n- it's it's n- never been linked to any missing person reports, but it looks likely that this is not the first time Roman did that. Fuck Roman. That's the end of the story. Backpacker's Revenge. Lena's a fucking hero. Amazing. Is she? Yeah, Amazing. and Adam got all the credit. And Sorry, all he did right. show up Why and did drive I? alongside That's them. It's Lena. No, I didn't mean you gave him the credit. Yeah, he took the credit. Like he got the credit. He took it all. Anyway, For there you go. Back, there you go. Travel with a friend. Maybe don't. Don't go on gum <laughs> don't tree. Don't get in cars with strangers. Yeah. <laughs> you know the no feeling. Trust it and don't Trust do it. Trust the no feeling. Thank yeah. you, Jennifer. You're so welcome. I used to hitchhike loads when I lived in New Zealand because I lived out of town and I used to work late. I finished my. Sh- God. Why? Yeah, I know. It's stupid. Like, I just stupid. Do you have any near misses? Uh, well, no. I used to... There's a little trick, a little tip. If you're going to hitchhike, don't. But if you're going to, I used to take a picture on my um, phone of the reg plate of any car that stopped to pick me up. And then I'd hop in and be like, I've just texted your reg plate to my friend. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. But you don't it know... It made the whole journey from then really awkward. But I never died. That's the main uh, thing. And here I am today. 
Lovely. Well done. <laughs> now, thank you, Jen. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, me. Thanks to me for that story, but mostly. <laughs> Can you have me back my laptop? Oh, please? yes, of course. Kathy's going next. I have Sandra. a Irish creep. Yeah, This is really um, good. That's really, really dark. I can't believe I haven't heard of it before. Does anybody know the name Brendan O'Donnell? No. Fantastic. This is a really gruesome murder that nobody's heard of. <laughs> I would have thought at least a few people would have had a Brendan O'Donnell just kicking around the family. <laughs> like, it's that kind of... They might do, and they might not be saying it for maybe, good reason. Maybe, true. <laughs> okay, so... Back in February 1989, on the 16th of... This is a good detail story, because I read a book. Really? So, on the 16th of February 1989, <laughs> Tony Mugovan and his wife Mary and their four sons were at home in Derry Con, which is about halfway between Kilcool and Portumna. Killaloo and Portumna. It was a really wet and cold evening, and Mary's two brothers, who worked in Shannon Airport, had popped by. Mary's sister had started living with the family and together they all started watching a movie in front of a big fire. How ideal. Lovely. Gorgeous. Well, right? Sounds fine. At about 10.30, the dog, it was a German, um, a German shepherd's outside tiger, started barking. So Tony's oldest son, Brendan, went to investigate. And after about 15 minutes, he returned to the house to tell the family that he found a young man outside. The man was cold and wet with mud up to his knees. And the family asked the young man to come in inside and sit in front of the fire. As you would. That man was Brendan O'Donnell. And he was known to the family and locals. He was known in the area. He was about 15 at the time. But Brendan was supposed to be in Trinity House, which is a detention center in Dublin. And he had absconded about a week prior. So it seems like he was allowed off for a little bit of time, had gone back to the village, and was supposed to return to Trinity House, but hadn't. What was he in there for? I'm not quite sure. Um, 15, something. 15, something. Did it not come up in the book? <laughs> it didn't. This is the start. This is where we meet. Okay. All right, <laughs> Sophie. Don't push yeah. her. Yeah. Do you want to see my Kindle receipts? Okay. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they brought him in. They dressed him. They gave him clothes or whatever. And they rallied together to gather food and stuff. So Tony, who wrote the book, writes, <laughs> after he'd had some food, we talked up till about two o'clock in the morning. He told us about his mother's illness, her attempts to commit suicide, her death and her burial. He told us that he had believed for a while that she was buried alive, locked inside her coffin, not able to get out. He made me promise I wouldn't call the guards to report him. Mary prepared a bed for him and we all turned in for the night. Next morning, I got up early and did the farm work as, I so as soon as I could. I told my wife that I was going to drive around to see if there were any guards in the neighborhood conducting a search for Brendan. I talked to different people I met, trying to get the exact story about what was being reported regar regarding Brendan. So I don't think they actually knew what he was in the detention center for. Mm. His mother had passed away, and he was very much left to his own devices. So Tony came across a guard, but it didn't appear that the guards were actually looking for him. So he came back to the house. He had a talk with his wife, Mary, and they decided that it would be best to try and protect the young boy. So... They didn't know what his charges were, and they needed to, but they needed to find a way to get him back into the system, an appropriate system. They decided, having talked to uh, Tony's brother, JJ, was working as a social worker in the States. And they called JJ, and they uh, described Brendan's kind of state and the stuff he was saying. 
And they all agreed that it would be much better for Brendan to be in a psychiatric facility than in a detention center. Mm. A good call. So but that, is that something they could... Well, they no, they just, they just were like, he's really distressed. He clearly has some sort of mental health problems. Let's, instead of just handing him over to the guards, let's try and... What's the best way to do this? Let's try and get him treatment. Yeah. So they did inform the guards, but they thought that the best thing to do would be to... They didn't want to house him, and they didn't want to take him into the house and then get caught for having him when they knew he was supposed to be somewhere else. So they convinced him to pretend that he was just wandering the forest beside their house, wandering this wooded area, and they would get a guard to come to speak to him. So they were kind of letting him stay in the house, but if anyone asked, he wasn't in the house sort of thing. Nice. But he had, for a week prior, been staying in this kind of um, dilapidated sort of farmhouse with holes, and he had a bag of clothes, but they were all wrecked and stuff. So like he had actually been kind of squatting in this little outhouse that he had found. So they... Um, the guards agreed to give an extension to Brendan and having to return to Trinity House for a week in the, in the sort of agreement that he would seek medical treatment and that the family would help him, right? So Tony and Mary, God love them, sound like amazing people, don't have much money. They have 1,100 pounds in savings. And they what year again? 89. 89. And they decide that they will take... Brendan to Ballinasloe, which is where JJ, the so social worker, has recommended they go. They go to Ballinasloe to a hospital and they will look after Brendan there. And if Ballinasloe can take him, they'll pay the £1,100 they have, they will give to the hospital in order to get treatment, right? Very kind. Very kind. Very, very kind. So they took Brendan to Ballinasloe and they had a kind of a, a sort of consultation with doctors and they all agreed that he needed urgent medical care. He was talking about suicide. He was very erratic. He needed the attention. But for whatever reason, they said they couldn't admit him in Ballinasloe and he should go to Galway Hospital. But when Tony took him up to Galway Hospital, despite multiple doctors acknowledging that he needed treatment, they wouldn't admit him either. Um, and he was talking about like abuse at Trinity House. So he's talking about how the guards or the, the facilitators were beating him. And everyone agreed that he shouldn't go back there, but they couldn't bring him in for treatment. I don't know whether they didn't have the space or it was because he had prior convictions or something, but they would not admit him, right? So Tony was getting really frustrated. And also, like in, in the book, he writes about how he, they didn't have any money. And they when they left for Ballinasloe, it was early in the morning. And then when they were in Ballinasloe, they wanted to get to Galway quickly. So from the time they left um, where they were near Kil Killaloo, they hadn't eaten all day. And like he was just doing everything he could to help this boy. So he describes how they got lost on the way home coming back from Galway. He said he was fed up and hungry and feeling like a complete failure. Um, he had to go back then and feed the cows because he was a farmer and he, no one else has done it. He said he was so angry. He got lost. He tried to retrace his steps onto the right road. Brendan saw how, how upset he was and offered to go back and do every day of his sentence and fuck the bastards. Like he was just, you know, Brendan felt like nobody wanted to help him. And he, wa he saw this man, Tony, tried to help him and then felt really bad about the frustration that Tony uh, was under because of the, because of the um, stress he was putting himself under, right? But... When they got lost, they decided to drive the rest of the journey home by the mountain road to, through Derry Goulin. And Terry, or Tony writes, 
Little did I know that when I would be on this mountain road that Brendan would be arrested a little over five years later after one of the biggest manhunts ever conducted in Ireland. Little Brendan. Little Brendan. Little sweaty, mucky Brendan. Indeed, we <laughs> Lonely passed... Lonely Brendan. Lonely Brendan. We passed the very spot where he spent his last minutes outside of prison. So, with nobody willing to take him in and no... Um, no hospital willing to treat him, Brendan was due to return to Dublin to go to Trinity House. So when the time came to return to the centre, Tony obviously stepped in and was like, I'll drive him back to Dublin. But the parish priest, Father McNamara, heard that the two were going to Dublin and said, sure, I have a package that needs to go to Dublin. Would you mind stopping by and collecting it and taking it to Dublin for me, right? So they did. And when Tony went inside to get the package off Father McNamara, Brendan legged it from the car and ran into the woods and beyond or whatever. Now, they described the area in 1989 as not having very good roads. So, like, while you could probably see someone running, <laughs> you couldn't, get, you to couldn't them. get them. Like, you probably just watched them get smaller and smaller <laughs> into the distance, like, in a very... Brendan, Brendan, also, Brendan. At that point, I'm sure he was a bit like, yeah, I did really good. Yeah, holding a package for Dublin. Do you like, know... Yeah. Like what? You just let him go. Tony's exhausted. Tony's yeah. exhausted. Tony's yeah. like, I yeah. tried. He needs to get home. Yeah, he tried. That's um, fine. So hours later, though, so Tony rang Trinity House and was like, I'm really sorry. Brendan's gone. done a legger. He's gone, right? Um, and he t- returned home absolutely exhausted. Uh, hours later, gets a little knock on the door. In saunters Brendan. <sighs> Fuck off, Brendan. Back yeah. to Tony's house. It's like, oh yeah. And he says he doesn't, they describe it as he just didn't realize. He was like, ah, oh, this is great now. Not going back to Dublin. And they are like shitting oh, it at God. this stage. Being like, we can't keep this child. Like, But there, when he came back to the house that night, he finally revealed the extent of the abuse that had been going on in the detention center. The detention center. And it was like, he was, he was being sexually abused oh, there. God. And it was horrific. An awful account of it. And also, more worryingly, he made accusations against Father McNamara, saying that he used to the be guy an all package. The priest, this package, yeah, the priest. Ran with the local guy, like. the sounding package, like yeah. not a package that we all. So I'm oh, sorry. He Jennifer, it's <laughs> a dick in a box. So <laughs> he, <laughs> please take this back to Dublin. I have no use for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Can you return this to uh, Miss Fantasia? Yeah. yeah. On <laughs> South William Street. <laughs> Slightly soiled. Mint condition. Um, just a bit smelly. Like, so it's under the top. Like, it's not the end of the world. He made, <laughs> he made accusations against Father McNamara calling, saying that the priest was bent. But he didn't say anything that had... He didn't say he'd done anything, just that he was an altar boy firm and that the, everybody who was an altar boy knew that the priest was was bent i'm using that language is that like that was bent cockers no like, <laughs> or like old slang do you know like from call of duty bent, bent coppers. coppers yeah there's like a super cut on youtube of bent coppers i really really uh, recommend excellent but so they meant like crooked or gay? gay gay okay um so for days tony and mary are like housing brendan really shitting and being like, what do we do? And eventually they convinced a friend of Tony's to give Brendan a roof over his head because the guards kept coming to Mary and Tony's house being Obviously. like, oh, come on, have you seen yeah. him? Like, <laughs> is he here? Sorry, they still don't know what he did. They're not, the guards aren't telling them. 
No, or, and I, but I don't think it's severe. Okay. Like, I think there's, he, and in, in, in the future he gets in trouble for like robbing handbags and stuff. Like, I think it's probably something small, minor stuff, right? So after much consideration and talking to JJ, the social worker, and then they were put in touch with another social worker in Balneslow, Mary and Tony decide that the best course of action for Brendan would be if they foster him. Okay, nice. Yeah, Very nice. nice. Because Brendan and Mar Tony and Mary have two or three other sons. They all work on the farm. Yeah, could they do see the, extra the potential in, in Brendan that he's yeah. just gonna, gone astray and he just needs a good home. But Brendan's father is alive, just not in the picture. He's somewhere off in Galway. So they talk to the courts and they decide. Again, they're putting all of their money into the courts. They pay at one stage £1,400. I don't know where they're getting it because they describe it. They just didn't have any money. And they're doing it to get a lawyer so they can, they can acquire the paperwork to foster this child. Amazing. Really nice, right? But they needed a letter of consent from Brendan's father to say that they could foster. And at that time... The only man who could step in and do that was Father McNamara. Really? So, Tony knows Brendan's father, but they've had a fight in the past and they don't get on, so they're not on good speaking terms. So, Tony thinks if he goes to Brendan's father, he won't give him the consent. But they send Father McNamara in place. But Tony has worries about Father McNamara. Because of his child molestation because suggestion. Of, because of stuff, right? So... Tony writes, Tony, I continue to have serious worries about Father McNamara's involvement. One night before going to court, we were sitting in the living room. Mary, myself, Brendan and the priest. As you do. Like he's involved and he's obviously going to court. Okay. Then what happened? Mary went into a downstairs bedroom, one room away from where we were sitting. At the same time, she was suffering from a badly injured back and frequently had to rest because of the pain. The phone rang in the front room and I went to answer it, leaving Brendan and the priest alone in the room. I was talking on the phone while half listening to the conversation going on between the priest and Brendan. I suddenly froze when I heard Father McNamara say, I love you, Brendan. Oh, for fuck's sake. I didn't know what to do. When I walked into the sitting room, Brendan looked at me. It was so sad to see a man up in years in love with a young boy and to see the distress it caused the latter. I sent Brendan out to the kitchen and continued talking to the priest as if I hadn't heard. When the priest left, I asked my wife if she had heard it too, and she said she had. Oh, the God. priest always wanted Brendan sitting beside him, and several times I had seen him putting his hand on Brendan's inner thigh. What the fuck is he doing that? in your living room? Action that first. Yeah. The first time you but see that. But hold on, right? I warned the priest about the danger if he didn't behave himself. In those days, it was a waste Aww. of time to go to the higher-ups in the church or to the guards. Fine. The priest had known Brendan since childhood. Brendan had regularly served mass for him when he was younger. For many years, parents had warned their children not to be alone with Father McNamara. Um, and F Father McNamara later told me of an occasion when Brendan had visited him at the rectory, having been out in the rain. He said he had to have Brendan strip naked so that he could dry his clothes before the fire. You'd in have the name to. of God. Literally. <laughs> I still think, what are you doing having him sitting in your living room? They did. At one stage, he says that he went to the guards and he shared his concerns about Father McNamara. And the guards said, Agreed. if you could see the list of complaints that have been made against him, you wouldn't believe it. But they just didn't action anything in the early fucking 90s, apparently. Terrible, oh right? But also, Father McNamara is giving Brendan large sums of money. So it's unclear about whether Brendan was blackmailing the priest or whether it was kind of just 
Hush money. What age is Brendan? Brendan's 15. Jesus. Mary and Tony successfully get permission to foster Brendan. Amazing. And with the help of the community, Brendan gets a job and settles in with the family. But he does have mental health struggles and he has a really chronic fear of germs. It stops him from being able to eat anywhere other than in the house, in the kitchen with the family. So one of the jobs that they get for Brendan is like a couple of miles walk off, but he was refusing to eat on site. So he was going, eating in the morning, walking two or three miles, doing a bit of work, near fainting, and then coming home early all the time. He just hadn't the energy to do it, right? Um, and, I'm, and, and he also has other problems. And one instance when he's walking home, he comes, becomes convinced, he's walking with one of uh, Tony and Mary's other sons, and he becomes absolutely convinced he can see a man, a dangerous man under a bush, and that he starts, that he's chasing them. But he's so convinced in it that he scares the other guy into believing that he saw it okay. as well. You know, one of those kind of just terribly... Poor Brendan. Yeah. So Brendan worked odd, jo- odd jobs and he stayed in touch. He had a sister called Amory. He spent some time in England. As he's, he's, he spends a couple of years with Tony and Mary and he goes over to England where he's caught robbing a handbag, but he's just given kind of light slaps on the wrist. He returns to Ireland in the early 90s and he gets a flat in Portumna and for a short while he's in a relationship. And things seem to be going well. But then a friend of his drowns tragically and it kind of sets off his mental health in a way that is... Uh, becoming more and more dangerous. So by 1994, he's kind of like homeless between places, sort of. He's described in some news reports as being like of the forest, that he just spends most of his time there. There's some weird reports that say he was like sleeping on his dead mother's grave. All that, like really sad stuff. That sounds familiar. Mm. And in 1994, he comes into contact with a woman called Amelda Rinney. Now, her friends say that she had no prior contact with Brendan, but some reports suggest that they were seeing each other and they potentially were in a relationship and they knew each other in some sort of kind of maybe romantic sense. So on the morning of April 29th, 1994, he arrives at Imelda's house with a loaded shotgun announcing that he's got this great idea to rob the local post office. Oh, God. And... But Imelda has two kids. Her oldest son, Oshin, has been picked up by her ex-partner and taken to school. But her little boy, Liam, is there. So Brendan's like, come on, we're going. All three of us are going to rob the post office. She tries to calm him down by offering to make him breakfast and tea. Germ-free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the two of them have sex. So What? Yeah, so she's trying to distract oh, him. Okay. Oh, God. Right? Now... I can give you a hand job instead. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to slow him down I in any some, way. Some reports... On. Yeah, just post officer, you know. Um, so some reports... Most reports suggest that this was consensual sex, although some report that he forced himself on her. But anyway, they still go off to rob the post office. Doesn't work. Okay. Um, so Brendan is going and rob the post office Amelda is going to be the getaway driver and Amelda is absolutely shitting it she should just drive away absolutely right so they drive to Whitegate and as they approach the post office he told her to park outside while he went in he held up the post office and everyone in and got the money he 
could see from the fear in her face that she was not going to be a reliable getaway driver. <laughs> Just at that point, he could see it, is it? Yeah. He's made a terrible mistake. She's, she's kind of doing this. Like, she's like... I t- I no, can't. I can't do I can't it. Do. Um, which you would as well. You're hardly like, yes, Brendan, let's go. Uh, look, Brendan sends a bit. He's forced her every step of the way, and now gun. he's like, wait a minute, you're not yeah. into this. You're not into this. <laughs> so he ordered her to drive away from the post office, and he sat in the back seat, ducking down behind, away from passing cars. Right. Um, but as she's driving, Imelda's making. Faces an oncoming drive, not funny. Very difficult. Trying to, to alert them that something's wrong. Like, yeah. This is no, there's no enough time. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. To communicate. There is one key witness who does recognize the faces out of and was and later days, days later informs the guards, but like <gasps> noticed it enough. That woman was in trouble. Yeah. No. Oh, oh yeah. that's what that was. Is Liam in the car? Like Liam yeah. is in the car. Oh, Jesus. Brendan noticed what she was doing and began getting angry. Oh, God. So Liam starts crying. Um, he wanted to park the road. He wanted to get the car off the road as soon as possible. And he ordered her to drive towards the woods. Uh, the, he knows the woods well. He knows he is of the woods. He is of the woods. So at gunpoint, he ordered Imelda to turn off into a side road and then get out of the car and start walking to the woods. She carried young Liam with her. Oh, stop. No. Is this going to go when where... When he... Yeah. Oh. When, when she... This is so depressing. Just so quickly sad. run through it. She tries at one stage to grab the gun off him. He shoots her. And then he Stop. shoots Liam. Enough. That's terrible. That, now, that didn't end well, really. Nah. Then what happened? Then Brandon decides he's going to go visit his granny. In air court. Does so he say does air court? He, yeah. Does he have a... Ba- Do you remember this story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does he remember... Do you, does he have a bag of money at this point? I mean, I'm sure he does. They're very loose on the, the, where Which the money is. What are you going to actually get out of a post office? I mean... I was stamps. About to say. Yeah, one of those old little savings books with the picture of the squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's just killed the two people. Yeah. And he heads off to his granny's. So he heads off to his granny's in airport because he decides that's where he feels safest and he likes going to visit his granny. I no longer give a shit about where he feels safe. So Mm. the alarm was raised that Imelda and Liam were missing, but it takes like 48 hours for them to take it seriously. No one was really taking Imelda's disappearance that seriously because she was an artist and like... They just thought she had kind of disappeared. She was very maybe scatty and went off for a couple of days at a time anyway. So there was she, nobody left close to her who was like, ah, she's, she's definitely missing. Definitely missing. So it takes a while for the guards to really hone in on it. So has he just arrived up to his granny's? So he's at his granny's for like 48 hours. But when the alarm is raised that Imelda and Liam are missing and there's a search party out for him, he starts to get more worried. So he decides that he needs to go to France. Kill his granny. He didn't kill his granny. Why not? He loves his granny. Anyway, no on to, to his France. Granny. So he decides he's going to go into France, but how is he going to afford to go to France? He'll go back and he'll rob the priest. Father Fiddly. So <laughs> he's in air court, but I think he's in air court, so I think it's a different parish. But he decides he's going to go to the home of the priest, but he goes to Father Joe Walsh. And he just intends to steal his car and steal his cash. And he breaks into a window, and then he comes face to face with the priest. So plan 
not going well. Still has gun? Doesn't have gun. Doesn't have gun. He comes face... Maybe he has gun. I don't know. I'm just building suspense. He comes face to face with the priest. And instead of just taking the money and his car, he becomes kind of like agitated because the priest is described as being really calm and is asking him questions and is trying to calm him down. And so instead of telling him what's happened, he spins this weird web of lies, I mean, as you would, that Amelda and Liam are safe but have been kidnapped and he needs to go get them and go to France. So the priest says that he'll help him in exchange for his car and money and help, if he gives him information about how to help Imelda and Liam, he Clever will. Clever priest. He'll help them, right? So to get the priest the car, knew at this point they weren't wrong. okay. Yeah. Something's wrong. So Brendan convinced Father Joe to get into the car with him and they start driving towards the woods. Uh, and he thinks, I think Brendan is potentially thinking that when he gets into the car he has more time to figure out a plan yeah because the priest hasn't called the guards like he just will figure out a plan when they're in the car but they'll head towards the woods where he knows the two bodies are they're going back there they're going towards those woods and when they get out at the woods they drive around erratically for 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 a while and when they get out of the woods the priest begins to pray and it really disturbs brendan so the priest is bent down, doing his rosary over rock, and Brendan comes up behind him and shoots him. <laughs> he did have the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't the bad priest. It wasn't the bad priest, but, like, Brendan doesn't like priests. Why did he take him, I guess, took the body to the woods? There was a plan. I think there was a plan to yeah. take the priest away from mm. there. Maybe it wasn't. I don't think it was as thought out as that. I think he just wanted to get going. So he's, he's going to France now in the priest's car. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he gets caught. <laughs> yeah, he's not organized. Does he have yeah. a passport? Uh, I don't think so, right? He doesn't seem... Oh, know. don't. there's a little bit more of a twist in it. Okay. So he later told the court that a voice had instructed him to kill Father Joe because he's trying to christen the devil's baby son. And he, he, you know, he's hearing voices and um, all that kind of stuff, right? But... Father Joe Walsh and Imelda, seemingly totally unconnected victims, not so. Bishop, Clonturf, Cl- Bishop of Clonfert, Dr. John Kirby, reportedly was concerned that the priest and the missing mother had left for East Clare of their own volition because they'd been having an affair. What? But Random. Random. It transpired then many years later, about 10 years later, that Imelda was not the woman he was having an affair with, but he was having an affair uh, with another red-headed woman who looked like Imelda. Mad. And she came forward to the press about 10 years, 14 years after It wasn't Imelda, it was me. It wasn't Imelda, it was me, yeah, essentially, and cleared that one up. But for a long time, and that's kind of why maybe they didn't raise the alarm initially, they just thought they had run off together. I see. Yeah. So what became of him? So Brendan's murder trial lasted 53 days. It's the longest murder trial in the history of the state. And he was found guilty of triple murder and received three life sentences. He died a couple of years later of a, an overdose in uh, St. John of God's. 
so he didn't go to he went to I think uh, he went to St. John guys. So he, he died okay. in, 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 in an institution anyway well very dark can't believe no one's heard of it very dark I can't believe no one's heard of it I have can't be, have you heard of it very good, very good. <laughs> Got a very good there, Thank Cassie. You. Thank you very much, Cassie. Nice and dark. So what time are we at? Do you want to have a small break? Take a reprieve for an, a top-up of a drink, perhaps? Cigarette yeah. break, Grant. Ten minutes. We'll be back for soapies. <laughs> the moose-bouche. Can Sonia please put up her hand as well? I have to say hello to Sonia and the crew from Apple. Oh... Ah, well, who cares? But Forget I did her. it. It's recorded. That's what you yeah. said. I'm not going to get in trouble. Who's Do you guys know Sonia? Friend of a friend. Oh. So you what's Sonia really like? <laughs> She's a total <laughs> fucking creep. Tell her now she uh, missed her spot prize. <laughs> Just kidding. There's no spot prizes for anybody. <laughs> never has. Never will be. <laughs> oh, thank you. Ooh. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> Welcome back, Sonia. Hi, Sonia. Still okay, gone. Still, right, okay. still not so here. Weird. If when Sonia returns to the bathroom, can everybody please this stand up and clap? This is the saddest rejection. Oh yeah, will we all do that? Please. No. You can. Oh, she's just can never you? coming out again. Oh, what did you say? She's here. There she is. Yay. Welcome back, Sonia. Welcome. <laughs> she wants just to get up on stage and tell a story. <laughs> no, it's terrifying. No, we don't have time. Sophie's story. <laughs> Sophie's story is coming. Do you want to rub the bum? <laughs> Just imagine, Sonia, there's been an emergency. Please come to the, uh, please come in front of the audience. Yeah, you've been in the toilet a long time now, and other people need to go. There's only two toilets in here, Sonia. Selfish. Are you joking? You seem nice, not remotely selfish. But you know, yeah, sometimes the toilet hogging is the thing. Anyway, unless you have an issue, which I do. <laughs> so later, if it's me. Okay. Mind. Right, anyway, got a book. Bu I was headline? adding a line to my story from so last. <laughs> Just when, uh, when I the was music like, what's went the perfect on? sentence that'll like sum up hipster culture in 2009 in New York? So I've got everywhere there are men hand milking bees for artisanal honey. Ah, uh, <laughs> love it. When the, uh, when the music went on, we took that little break. Both Jen and I turned around and so we're like, please make this one funny. Uh, <laughs> been dark Please no pressure it's a bit light it's only when you say these words and you're on the page out loud that you're like oh god oh god so he shot the kid oh god <laughs> and i brought all these people here to listen to this low on lols <laughs> i know the feeling like i did like a heavy incest trip last night god it's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> what have you got and you all us? can't wait to listen surely okay so does anyone like the movie dirty rotten scoundrels yeah. <laughs> Great! <laughs> I know, Number me too. Fan. Ruprecht. I'm really thinking about Ruprecht for this. Okay, no. that's the name of a character in it. What is it all about again? Oh, uh, you know, it's about like, uh, if, you know, confidence men on the Riviera in the confidence 80s, I want to say. Yeah, it's like Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Gotcha. This story has barely anything to do with that, <laughs> except that my BuzzFeed headline is Dirty Rotten Hipsters. Oh. But we had a moment. Thanks. That's the main thing. I like your boots. Okay, so rain it in. I'm taking us back we're to all 2004. The same boots, I think, in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sponsored. Um, <laughs> so, in 2004, uh, there was a young girl called Carrie with a K Warning. and an I. Red flag. All loads of red flags immediately. Um, she's uh, another 17-year-old girl hanging out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Um, what year again? 
2004. Mm. So she was heavy into the straight edge scene. What's that? And I'm not cool enough to know what that was. Yeah, hold on. So I had to Google it. Um, but I would assume seemed. the straight edge scene is like the non scene of just <laughs> blase normal people. Normcore. No, it's really weird. Weird. Does anyone know it? It's okay. Everyone's better than us. What is oh, everyone's okay. cooler. It's basically like punks who are really into like not drinking and not doing drugs. So it's like very straight laced punks. Sober goth. Yeah, but well, punks and outcasts and nerds, rather than goths. I think. Do you have okay. to be into I've, punk? I think it's quite punk, oh, right, punk okay. centric. I think, but like it's 2004, so I don't know what kind of punks you were. Like to be honest, not you guys, it's but not like that these people. Punk to be sober. It's very late to be punk as well. <laughs> it sounds like they were emos, but I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I mean, I'm no expert. <laughs> um, so anyway, she, you know, she was 17. She lived at home with her dad. Spent a lot of time on MySpace. Yeah. Not yeah. unlike many of us here, probably, um, and. Classic creep dive opener, that. So on MySpace, she met a guy called Casey Hansen, who was a couple of years older. Um, or just like, actually just, about just turned 18. And um, she just started messaging him out of nowhere, which, do you remember that? In mm. like MSN messenger days, you just start messaging people totally randomly. Um, so anyway, she started messaging um, Casey and I was like complimenting him about his MySpace profile picture, which was such a MySpace profiler. Kind of to the side. It was webcam. a picture of Santa Claus holding a sign that said, I don't exist. Oh, mm. Very straight. Maximum early noughties snark. <laughs> the two started dating. Mm. Um, she told Casey. She Just was online a- dating. I love you know, those had- stories. No, they actually went IRL quite quickly. Really? Yeah, like he met her parents and stuff like that pretty soon after. She told him that she was 18 and had graduated from high school that year. Um, Her driver's license and her dad said she was 17, but like she really clung to the I'm 18 thing. She's just identifying as an 18-year-old. She's identifying as an (laughs) 18-year-old. That's fine. You cannot quibble. You just be you. Um, she claimed that, so she had been adopted and she was like of Korean heritage. <laughs> Don't edit that out. I was going to say it's like the way you identify as 35, but you're 47. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I so, will literally shit on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she always said that it was something that had gone wrong with her adoption from Korea and that her birth cert was wrong and her driver's license and her dad was wrong and everyone was wrong and God damn it, I'm 18. It's only a year. It's a year, it's I know. a couple of months, really. But she yeah. was very, very obsessive about she was 18. So around this time, she'd moved in with some like commune of straight-edge emo punk kids um, in Salt Lake City and... Um, when she moved in with this gang in the house, she told Casey, who was her proper boyfriend now, that she'd been receiving texts from numbers she didn't recognize. And they were vicious texts like, I'm going to rape you to death. Poor Kari was traumatized. However, Casey, the boyfriend, in retrospect, felt she was sending herself the text. That's what I thought. <laughs> really? His explanation for... the creep type. I expected something like... <laughs> um, so she wanted the validation um, that people cared about her. It was Casey's theory. Um, didn't put Casey off, just he acknowledged 
that she sends her own rape threats and <laughs> proceeded with the relationship because he's an 18-year-old guy, I guess. I don't know. Um, Carrie is really cute. Like, <laughs> she's gorgeous. So, I don't know. I mean, not that men are shallow. Whoa. <laughs> Snark. <laughs> anyway. I never had any. I think that's forgivable. Really. I think that's forgivable. I think it's you forgivable. Like, uh, well, she's just really that girl. And as this story okay. goes on, she just gets, she just digs in further and further into being that one. There was you know, always the one. one of them in the school. One yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that summer she moved in with Casey, and she was working at a kennel at the time. Though they would later file a civil judgment against her for one thousand dollars after she dropped her dog off at the kennel. And just left it there. Oh no, awful! I know she's, she's awful not person. a good person. Not she's good. not a good well, person. I mean, she could have driven over it. It was a good place to be. <laughs> of all the places, it's abandonment. It's bad. It's just oh no, terrible. Anyway, no time for those people. Yeah, Casey said that she had all this mysterious money, and um, that she didn't really want him to work. Like she's eighteen. It's so random, um, and uh, she basically told him that she'd gotten some message from the bank that somebody had committed fraud uh, in her, like, bank account. So after that, it was like, in order to get the money, she, for some reason, needed to give Casey a check to then go and cash and then give her the cash. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're in the territory of scam email. Yeah, she, oh my God, yes, There's she was just face-to-face -face Nigerian princing him. Yeah. Yes, this very much. This was a great episode of Judge Judy the other day in which people had done this in real life. It was absolutely fantastic hearing them say it out loud. Yeah. And Judge Judy was just like, just say it again. Just, and just do it again. Oh, I couldn't actually cope with Judge Judy judging me. Like, the disdain is just so palpable. Anyway, one night after they'd had sex, she accused Casey of cheating on her. Um, he said, I came downstairs and she was sitting over my phone crying. She said someone had pictures of me with my ex-girlfriend. He had never had a girlfriend. Oh, God. So basically, oh. she's just a huge drama merchant. Yeah. Of right. the highest order. And Casey's just kind of still there. So, for God's sake, Casey. Anyway, um, he kept going into the bank to cash all her checks for her because of the, you know, the fraud that was preventing her from and using he her own her, bank account. Is he giving her cash? Yeah, so he, she'd give him a check um, for like $1,000. From her to her, from her to him? Uh, would she, who would she write it to? Him or her? Yeah. To yeah. Him, him. From her. From her. Yeah, and he'd go in and cash it. And all the while, like, they're just handing him the cash back from the checks. And he's like, okay, slowly but surely, he's like, this isn't adding up at all. And um, he actually goes to the bank one time, like, I mean, you're a bank. And, <laughs> and like, but are these good, these checks? I mean, I assume they are because you guys just keep giving me money, but can you check? And they just kept on giving him money to the tune of eventually 10 grand, before the bank then were like, no, <laughs> what? these checks were written from an account that doesn't exist. What? Yes. What? Oh, we're in 2004. 2004, yeah. Now, Casey says he was in denial. I think he was just getting blowjobs. Casey. Um, she'd always make up something to kind of prolong their relationship and anytime Casey tried to extract himself in any way she would just like dial up the drama and then like 
just it would start sort of like Give snowballing. Us a fake pregnancy. Come on. Wait do a minute. It. Wait. <laughs> she got to be one. No, no, no. She first up, she had cancer. Oh. Do love a fake cancer. Second stop, she was being stalked again. Oh. Then she texted him to say she was pregnant. Yes. And a few nights later, she called to say she was going to take her own life. Oh. Then Casey, God love him, just decided to buy a car for her to make the repayments on. And it was a five-year loan, 20% interest. Ooh. She made two payments, obviously. Then fecked off. Casey ended up having to file for bankruptcy before he was 20 oh years my old. God. Oh. It's a very expensive oral sex, Casey. I feel like if this didn't happen to Casey this way, <laughs> it would have happened another way. <laughs> Casey, it wasn't looking good but for like, him. But like, I don't, you feel for him because he's like going to the bank and being like, you're a bank. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. She'd suck the brain cells out of his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she went to jail. Um, she did. Yeah, for, she, like the fraud, in fairness. Oh, like, the bank thing. Yeah, yeah. T- money, TG, so like they got, got her for that. But she only went for three months for check fraud. And then she got out, ditched Casey, found a new guy, Brian. Brian. Um, the next Brian. time she ended up in jail, Brian posted the bail because none of these men ever learn. And um, I'm sorry, man. In fairness, I love they're all not of you communicating guys. with each other. They're <laughs> just <laughs> randoms. <laughs> um, so she, he posted her bail. So Brian says that when he was dating um, Carrie, she said she worked for a concert organizing uh, company called Golden Voice and another one called 24 Ticks. And um, they, she like was his cool girl <laughs> girlfriend. Do you know the way? Like she's Don't really c- gorgeous. She's um, Asian and descent and she's got like a pixie cut huge rack um no uh, <laughs> huge chest tattoo um, huge uh, huge artwork <laughs> she has a, a huge chest piece of a phoenix that's fucking cool i've seen it anyway um so, so if she, she tried she probably could get a cool job or do something cool. uh, absolutely as always with any of these scamming people if they would just parlay any of this energy and and you know lateral thinking into an actual path, real career they'd be set just bear a thought actually for a second our good friend samantha as a party is in is How in is she? um she's in court today so we'll have an update Remember on that her, now the lady soon. at the railway station She's in court today. She's in court today for stealing those two kids. That's right. Do you what? remember? She was what dressed country? Australia. She in Australia. Ah, ah. Dressed up as a ch- as a in a school uniform. In his weird school madness. Madeline kind of uniform. Yeah. Coming next week. Oh my god, fun. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, she had told Brian and his friends that she was going to take him to the Pitchfork Music Festival. Brian said, we all got off work and packed and got ready. We were going to leave on a Friday morning. They all sound so excited. Anyway, she called and she kept basically saying that her boss was delaying. And she kept calling and being like, oh, yeah, we're just a bit delayed. Oh, yeah, called again about an hour later. You're still a bit delayed. Finally, they just didn't go. Brian, Brian, Brian. She just just did. That was it. They yeah. She just like in was basically like you know to try and pay him back for the posting of bail. She said, well, "I'll bring you to Pitchfork," and then just like brought them right to the edge, 
That so many times. What's that called again? Edging. 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 Thank you. <laughs> she just edged the fuck out of him and his band and then just never came through. Then she was like, Brian, <laughs> sorry. I am an innocent. <laughs> um, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. <laughs> so she told Brian, anyway, she's being transferred to the Golden Voice New York office. Um, but that she had a court date in Salt Lake City um, in December. So she'd be back for that. And um, she'd pay him back for posting her bail. Shock of shocks. She did not show up. So she moved to New York and now we're in 2008. And she made friends very quickly, as Carrie does, mostly guys. Mm. Uh, you know that girl. I don't know why women just never like me. <laughs> um, isn't it all the ways the way, Carrie? So soon after arriving in New York, she met Bobby, who's a 23-year-old Rutgers student. So on the first night they met, they went home, go Bobby. Turns out that night she stole my cell phone. But it was done <laughs> in such a way that it wasn't until months later that I realized... I didn't lose my phone that night. She took it. So, as I said, Carrie... Well, how was it done in such a way? Did she say, oh, you must have lost it? Yeah, literally. And then I think she put his dick in her mouth. Oh, uh, there we go. Like, on the phone, and, being like, and just I don't scrolling know where it the, is. <laughs> just scrolling the contacts. Just trying to figure out, was Bobby Transferring good for money. anything? Yeah, yeah. just... Don't know where it is. Yeah, what is that? Revoluting. Yeah. No, not in 2009. But Eyes yeah. down here, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, she's actually just doing a reach around with the phone, like over here. Through the legs. Like. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. Anyway, look, Bobby was beguiled it? by Carrie. As I said, she had a very sexy chest tattoo. And she had a tattoo on her back that was incredibly on brand for 2009 in New York. Simply read, I love beards. Oh, very on brand. Very, very perfect. Remember, she's at the epicenter of the birth of the hipsters here in, like, Williamsburg. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, she told Bobby she worked for Golden Voice. Even gave him a business card, imagine. I mean, how would one get such a thing no, if it wasn't true? Vista print. <laughs> Not spawn. Um, now, she had an ATM card, Bobby recalled, but it never seemed to work. Crucially, she could only get cash out of it and couldn't use it as a debit card. And then it also only worked at this one bodega that happened to be near her house and nothing, nowhere near wherever they were. Oh. That one. So she'd often borrow money, promise to pay it back. Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. Bobby. So next she told him she was pregnant. Straight to that one. Um, but it being Carrie, she couldn't just be any old pregnant. She took six tests, three of which were positive, three were negative. She's just that person. She's that girl. Where were the positive? I feel she bad, them? like I'm hating on my own crew, but we know her, right? And I don't know why um. I've singled out... <laughs> Apple as <laughs> as being the ones who know some drama merchant, but like we know a Carrie. So anyway, Bobby was like, Just "Quick Look. show of hands for anyone who knows Carrie. If you don't put up your hand, it's you." <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, Bobby was like, "Look, would you go to the gynecologist to get a real pregnancy test? Let's just like." I mean, let's speed up this process. Yeah, like, let's find out what's happening. I presume it's important that we engage with this. At that point, she dropped it all together. Like, <laughs> she was like, nah, it's just... with, whiff of effort, 
Oh, I was nah. just reading it upside I'm down. I'm not praying this anymore. It's grand, it's grand. Um, and then we'll just, we'll just wait and see. Why is <laughs> you just want to bring everything way, way dark tonight? Yeah, no. right. I just want everyone to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bobby had been seeing Carrie for about six weeks when he learned that she was dying of cancer. Sad. Oh, again, of course. Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's gone a good couple of years <laughs> since that initial fake cancer. Um, <laughs> now, I think when he confronted her about like the fact that like he'd see her at parties smoking joints while claiming to be suffering from lung cancer, she distracted him with um, a story. <laughs> no, oh, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she distracted him with a story about her how her adoptive parents were abusive. Okay. And oh, Bobby was, you know... Chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bobby then proceeded to nut somewhere <laughs> and again was distracted from the very, very disturbing news that she was dying of cancer, maybe pregnant, had been abused by her adoptive parents. Couldn't keep up. Um he reflected later that it just never occurred to me that it would be odd that someone who was dying of cancer who has three months to live would move from Salt Lake City to Brooklyn. Oh, poor Bobby. He then went to talk it over with some of his friends. And the consensus was, apparently, to stick around because you like this girl, but don't get too attached because she's going to be dead in three months. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, over the next several weeks... Bobby reported that they had some very depressing conversations about how she didn't want to die, oh. as opposed to the really upbeat ones you have about not wanting to die. So Carrie seemed very healthy. Um, and, uh, though one day, he got, Bobby got a text message that she'd coughed up blood and was in the hospital. And he went to join her there, and the hospitals were like, there's something wrong with your appendix, it's a little inflamed, but good news, we couldn't find any cancer in your lungs. Oh my God, why would she go to the hospital? And then invite him there. Carrie was basically like, details, and then said to Bobby that she had the kind of cancer that was sort of the type of thing that could show up on one scan one day and then disappear the next. That one. Like convenient cancer. Yes, yes, um, the fake one. Yeah. Thank you. Like yeah. her pregnancy, basically. So this brought us up to the weekend before Christmas, and um, uh, they went to a party. And again, she was like dancing and smoking, and like just not behaving like a person who had lung cancer. And so Bobby went back to Rutgers where he's studying, and went home for the Christmas break. And then, like we know, how Carrie gets agitated at any sign of anyone trying to withdraw. So she rang him, threatening to kill herself. And um, then... She was going anyway. He'd be like... (laughs) (laughs) He's one of those little Lego block calendars that you build as a child. He's taking a block off every week. And he's like... (laughs) So anyway... That's so dark and it didn't get a laugh. (laughs) 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 We've lost it. We're (laughs) cancelled. Um, so while he was trying to enjoy Christmas with his family, um, Carrie started kind of like really, really escalating, ramping up all the lies and calling him constantly uh, to tell him that she was really depressed. And she said that like she could see no point to everything and like 
her pain would never end. And she then she started being really mysterious and vague and like presumably doing that thing of being like, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. And then, you know, that. Yes. And then anyway, finally, she then blurted out that she had a psychotic ex-boyfriend who was a criminal mastermind who could break into any cell phone and he had been stalking her in Utah. And now he's broken into her house, stole money. And when she logged into her instant messenger, it said she was already logged in and she was panicked. It was the crazy ex. I don't know if Carrie was even listening to herself at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So Bobby confided again and some friends told them the whole story and they were like, I think this seems mad. And finally, Bobby Googled her and found out she was wanted in Utah for fraud. Amazing. Oh. He stopped contacting her. Very well good. done, Bobby. Yeah. So clearly, Carrie is a complete pathological liar, but she's no slacker. So while she had Bobby on the hook, she actually had several other guys on other hooks spinning those plates of crazy. <laughs> And um, so she was like seeing a guy, um, <laughs> a guy who is a, has managed to remain anonymous, but said that, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, his name was Joe. <laughs> Good old anonymous Joe. It's just Joe. such a small word, I couldn't see it. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Scanning your notes for a missing word and saying he's remained anonymous. He remains anonymous, <laughs> apparently. According to my well-researched Nobody notes. mentioned him ever again. I shouldn't even be saying this. This is totally <laughs> confidential. So anyway, she was seeing Joe, and she told Joe that she was working on a coffee table book with Vice, right? So it's like 2009. Very I can on brand. Very, really very believable. picture this being actually true. Yeah, now we know Carrie has form for lying, but like, doesn't this sound like this existed, right? The idea for the coffee table book was... Photographs of men with beards posing next to her I love beards tattoo. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I, I saw that in Urban Outfitters. Yeah. It's for probably 25 quid. Genuinely yeah. probably a book. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, what is mad, right, about the fact that she constantly hooks and reels in Bobby, Brian, Joe, Casey, everyone, is that she's fucking terrible at flirting. So we've got two accounts of some like Carrie flirting. Um she uh, sent a note to a guy called Troy at a Williamsburg bar. It's very hip, isn't it? Very hip. And she sent it via the bartender. And uh, Troy opened it. And it said, I want to give you a hand job with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Yeah. <laughs> of course she's getting guys. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Another time, she employed the saucy... I'll take that one. You have that. Yeah. Like, you have that. I'm going to take the next one. What's the next well, one? just say that again. I want to give you a hand job with, with my, my mouth. Okay. Um, so then another time, employing the same note through the bartender method, so, um, she so passed a guy... Jo- so much blowjobs in this. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Go on. It really doesn't help that these are right here. I know. Here. I know. <laughs> There's actually no blowjobs mentioned in these notes as well. I just kept coming. Sorry. Anyway, the note that she passed to another patron at a cafe, which I feel like I'm picturing well-lit scenario. Anyway, it just read, I want you to throw a hot dog down my hall. (laughs) Isn't that not the least... 
sexy thing you've ever heard. Oh, she sounds great, girl. Like, <laughs> someone needs to tell Carrie that that's not something to aspire to. No! That is literally, like, like that is a really flaccid-looking thing with a sound like... <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing, like, a boing. Yeah. And, like, yeah. a ricochet. Yeah. But what it actually sounds like is sex after you've had a baby. Yeah. Where, like, you're doing it and, like, neither of you even know if it started yet. <laughs> and then he's just like, it's not even touching the sides. Is it in? Is it out? It's I funny because yeah, it's true. It's so true, yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> these were all the other guys. And she was actually, like, I had to condense a lot because she was doing the same shit with every one of them. I don't know how she kept track. Um, she must have been good at admin because she actually got offered a job at Vice um, to be their new administrative assistant. Hmm. However, Vice was to be her undoing. No! Background check. She started in the office, immediately began coming on to a co-worker, um, presumably by passing horrendous notes. <laughs> I don't know. And he was alarmed hmm. and uh, Googled her. <laughs> straight away, which is what any of the others should have done. I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus. Came up with the Utah's most wanted poster. Um, basically, she was wanted for like $60,000 in bad checks, forgery, and nicking clothes and stuff. So Utah doesn't seem like the most exciting place, but she had made it to their top 10 most wanted or whatever. Um, so she was fired from Vice. And then, most unfortunately for Carrie, everything probably could have just continued on just fine, except that um, a writer called Dory Shafrir, who actually co-hosts the podcast I very much enjoy, called Forever 35, mm. she mm. occasionally... <laughs> <laughs> it's a beauty podcast. I use it to help me go to sleep. So she occasionally contributed to Vice, and she got wind of the story of the office administration assistant who had been wanted in Utah, and she was like, there's something to this. This sounds class. And she ended up, she did a deep dive and ended up unearthing all the dudes for oh. a piece in the New York Observer, right? And she ended up doing one of these kind of long-form, uh, you know, scam exposés, Kind of like they were, it was probably one of the very first because it's like well before Ma Anna Delvey and anyone was even uh, diving Out into there. people's bullshit online as much. I do love it though. And uh, she lifted the lid on Carrie's years of scamming. So Carrie, then, worst thing ever for a con artist, became internet famous. Uh oh. oh. And was briefly cancelled in a kind of 2009 sort of way. So it didn't stick. Uh. Is she back? So. She was jailed because Utah, after the article appeared, gave so much profile to her and her case that then Utah managed to organize an extradition um, for her back to Utah to face charges on all her fraud. And like literally the article is brilliant, it's still online and it's uh, in the last paragraph. It's like, if you have any information on Carrie's whereabouts, contact, oh, no literally it's something like Mr. Ron in the Utah Police Department and a phone number. And so anyway, she did jail time. She used the time to grow her Twitter presence, which is fucking brilliant. It's still available to look. I've got a couple of screenshots. She, it's still there, and all it is is Carrie Farrell. She's got 20 tweets, 100 followers, and she's there, like, 
tweet, October 2009. Send me mail, assholes, especially you, white guy with the Asian kink. <laughs> um, next one. I'm inmate number 295558 at Salt Lake Correctional Facility, 341 South 900 West, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84119. Is her uh, prisoner address on her Twitter page? This is such a good one. Um, so it's just Carrie Farrell, April 16th. Ladies, step one, be Asian. Step two. <laughs> step two, find a white guy and make him do a bunch of crazy shit for you. Step three, rinse and repeat. Oh. I presume her mouth. I don't know. And oh. um, obviously then... After she's amazing. The, she's amazing. After the notoriety, she actually got a column vlogging for um, a Is website that all called it takes? Animal NY. Uh, haven't been able to find that, but she used her column to lash out at her enemies. <laughs> Just so good. So she wrote in her column, it doesn't seem like a very kind of like organized, kind of well-subbed column that she wrote, yeah. but anyway... It just says, quote, I can sue each company that misreported information, as slight as it may have been, for thousands of dollars each. All I have to do is sit here in jail and wait for the money to come rolling in. Well, fuck you, Gawker. And fuck you, Dari Shafrir, you oddly named mommy blogging bitch. <laughs> She's the best. She's fucking amazing. Yeah. So that was in, that was obviously a while back. The last we've heard from her is, uh, she's still active on Instagram. No, I'm going. I'm her going. Instagram handle, guys, it's so good. Everyone, phone At hot dog handjobs. Say, what? Say it again. hot dog handjobs. At hot dog handjobs. She has 24,000 followers. She is a procrastination enthusiast, oh. according to her bio. And oh she has posts Hands. from like two months ago. And oh job. my and I god, there she is. Wow. Can't figure out her life. Follow. Yeah, follow. follow her. She's going to get like 15 new followers. Yes. Wait, do you want to read talk and I might add her? No, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm frightened. She would absolutely crush me. What a terrifying she was mean suggestion. To um, no, we cannot do that. We don't want to bring her on us. There's not a dick between us. What would she suck? <laughs> she has a son. Oh. I love this, you guys. Real time updates. That is brilliant. We do need someone to cover your maternity leave. So. Well, getting Amazing. Hot dog hand Hot dog jobs. hand jobs. That was stunning. That was brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> That's Thank us. You. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Well done. Excellent. Oh Thanks so gosh. much for coming out. Seriously, it's so exciting to drive to Cork and be sort of accepted by some Cork people. I really love Cork. I wouldn't say We're that. coming back I'm, to My Cork. family's from Cork, so I know how harsh you all are. Um, <laughs> and we know how creepy everybody is in Cork. We are coming back to Cork in May. Oh, yeah. The, for the festival. For the uh, It Takes a Village Festival. In Trabalga, which I'm so excited about. I used to... T yeah. Who here yeah. used to... First time job. Yeah. Trabalga. 
Trabalgan <laughs> is where I used to go on holidays with my family and then come back to Dublin and be like, yeah, I got the shift in Trabalgan. Yeah. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Might be this year, who knows? Uh, thank you so much to the Kino and Cheers Ashley to you. for having us and back thanks for going. Well. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.